This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee. A law that established a new process for the restoration of voting rights to former felons is being challenged in federal court. Amendment 4 was supposed to make the whole process easier, but lawyers with the ACLU say the law that was supposed to implement that amendment is actually undermining it. The governor unveils a proposal to boost the minimum salary for teachers to more than $47,000 a year. The teachers' union says it's nice to have a governor who appears to be listening to their concerns, but they have some questions about the new plan. Florida lawmakers don't have much interest in passing any new bills that limit guns, but what about the bullets? A couple of South Florida lawmakers have filed bills requiring background checks to purchase ammunition. And new reporting about an online sexting by the Sarasota Sheriff's Department raising troubling questions about just how far the cyber cops will go to try to set someone up and make an arrest. We'll also check your daily calendar of Florida politics and catch up on the Florida woman who has a thing for pipe bombs and the Florida man who has a thing about dressing up in baby clothing. And now, the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, October 8. Last year, Florida voters approved the Second Chance Amendment to automatically restore the voting rights of ex-cons who had paid their debt to society. The legislature responded by passing Senate Bill 7066, which takes that debt part very seriously, saying no rights will be restored until all fines, fees, and restitution have been paid off. Amendment 4 was supposed to restore the rights of 1.4 million Floridians. But Jonathan Diaz with the ACLU of Florida says that debt provision in the new law means 80 percent of those former inmates still cannot vote. Your right to vote should never be based on the amount of money in your bank account. Many citizens across this country struggle under the restrictive conditions of voting rights restoration simply because they cannot afford to pay their fines and fees in time to vote. This is wrong. We have to fight to let Florida vote because the state government has shown time and time again that it will make sure that people jump through hoops to, make, to get their voting rights back. Of all states, Florida should be working hardest to ensure that everyone can vote. We know better than most that elections can come down to just one or two votes. The state is abandoning the five million Florida voters who approved Amendment 4. People who have served their time and are contributing to, the, to their communities ought to have the right to participate in democracy and have a say in how those communities are run. Diaz is one of the lawyers challenging that new law in federal court on behalf of former inmates like Rosemary McCoy of Jacksonville. We will not give up. We will not bow down to this system. This system is, is determined to take away our voting rights. Why? Why? Because they know, guess what, if we vote, Guess what? We're going to change some things. And change is one of those words state lawmakers don't like to hear, especially when it comes from communities they've been ignoring for years. Melba Pearson with the ACLU says the politicians had all the time in the world to fix this and did nothing until voters took matters in their own hands by approving Amendment 4. The state legislature had every single opportunity over the past 150 years to reform Florida's shameful lifetime disenfranchisement, and they failed to do so. They failed to fix our state's broken clemency system that arbitrarily chose whose rights would be restored and whose would not. They failed to address the backlog of five to 10 years of clemency cases that prevented thousands of Floridians from voting. As a result of this unjust system, which, by the way, disproportionately affected black Floridians, Hundreds of thousands of voices have been shut out of our democratic process. 
and the state legislature had its chance to act, and they chose not to. And while most Florida lawmakers proclaim their faith on a regular basis, the Reverend Joe Paramore says they seem to forget fundamental beliefs, including forgiveness. The Florida legislature, who many proclaim to be persons of faith, have once again chosen to exercise their white privilege, power, and control by engaging in systemic institutional racism and enacting a Jim Crow era poll tax. Rather than listening to the voices of Floridians that believe in forgiveness and in redemption and in second chances. The act by the Florida legislature is nothing more than a display of white Christian nationalism and white supremacy. This act of voter oppression and voter suppression is immoral, it's heartless, it's racist at its core, and simply put, it is godless. The fate of Florida's new voter law is now in the hands of the federal court, but this fight could last for some time, and there's a good chance it will not be decided before the next election, which frankly would make a lot of lawmakers very happy. Governor Ron DeSantis and Education Commissioner Richard Corcoran are asking lawmakers to set aside enough money to raise the minimum salary of Florida teachers to $47,500 per year. The governor says that would mean a pay raise for more than 100,000 teachers and that Florida would end up with the second highest starting salary for teachers in the country. Officials at the Florida Education Association say they like what they hear, but Carol Goronskis with the FEA says they still have a lot of unanswered questions. Well, the first read is that he's listening to educators in the state. This is what we've been asking for. We need an increase for our teachers, for our educators. Is there enough in there? I mean, he's talking 600 million, but there are a lot of teachers out there. Devil is in the details, and we're missing a lot of information at the moment. What are the things you're still waiting to hear? Well, what does he mean by classroom teacher? Is he excluding anyone? Media specialists, guidance counselors, teachers that do not have a classroom roster. So there's a lot of teachers that may or may not benefit from this. If you are looking at areas of homes, Highland, uh, the Panhandle specifically, where they start very low, this will be a large increase to their base salary. Maybe not so much in the southern region. Uh, but what about the teachers that have been teaching for 20 years? They're at 47.5 or 48.9. There's not that much room there for growth. He claims that money is already there in general funding. Um, and it's a, a, a view of priorities. But what he's not stating is he's leaving out every education staff professional from this conversation, and that includes the bus drivers, the food service workers, the uh, paraprofessionals, custodial staff. Those two um, uh, paraprofessionals and the bus drivers are making poverty-level wages. And there's no conversation yet regarding whether or not they're going to be um, getting an increase. Is it encouraging in any way that they're at least talking about teacher pay rights? Absolutely encouraging. This is a conversation we've been having for a decade that as professionals we are not paid a professional rate um, and we're talking recruitment and retaining of teachers um, and so this is a really good starting point and we're thrilled that the governor and, and Commissioner Corcoran are listening to educators in this state now. The governor's plan may boost starting salaries, but Florida currently ranks 46th in the nation for average teacher pay and 43rd in funding for education. Florida lawmakers really don't like to pass any new bills making it tougher to get guns, but what about the bullets? 
Senator Lauren Book of Plantation and Representative Dan Daly of Coral Springs have filed a bill known as Jamie's Law, requiring a background check on all sales of ammunition. Now, under current Florida law, anyone who's prohibited from purchasing or possessing a firearm is also prohibited from purchasing bullets. However, state law does not require vendors to run background checks on ammo purchases. This bill is designed to close the bullet loophole. It's named in honor of 14-year-old Jamie Gutenberg, one of the kids who was gunned down at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland. The Sarasota Sheriff's Office is defending tactics used by their cyber cops in online sextings, tactics that apparently include entrapment, solicitation to commit prostitution, and appear to violate the standards established by ICAC, that's Internet Crimes Against Children. Florida politics reporter Noah Pransky says Sarasota County Sheriff Tom Knight employed questionable techniques in a child predator sting last month, targeting lonely adults on adult websites rather than the predators who lurk on sites and apps more popular with teens. I got a hold of records, which typically the cops are destroying to cover their trails. But there was one case um, I got my hands on. They preserved the records because it was one of their own employees of the sheriff's office. They got in this thing. They were on an adult dating site. This was a 20-year-old man who was doing nothing wrong. He was on an adult dating app looking for other adults when deputies created a fake profile for an 18-year-old girl and catfished him. They tried to convince him to talk to an 18-year-old that was showing interest in him. He did. And then they did the bait and switch, and they said, we're really 14 years old. And the kid, the 20-year-old, kind of backed off. He didn't show any interest in meeting up, but he was bored at work, and they just kept chatting about daily nonsense. Well, at that point, the cops kept pushing sex on him, kept pushing the idea of meeting up, He never showed any interest, but they kept pushing and pushing and broke all of the rules they have for these kind of things. They're looking for predators, and at least they say they are, but really what they're doing is they're trying to trick and push law-abiding young adults into breaking the law. And it's really disgusting that they almost ruined this kid's life. They called it Operation Intercept, and it was the seventh edition of the Internet Sextings in Sarasota County. Pransky says they result in big press conferences, but very little in the way of actual prison time. No, what's happening a lot of times is the charges don't stand the way that they, you know, the, the sheriff promises when he stands up there and does the press conference. Um, but there's a reason a lot of sheriffs around the state, most of them, have stopped doing these things because the cases and the prosecutions aren't holding up. There's just no evidence that these men that they're arresting are predators. They're on adult dating sites looking for other adults. It's low-hanging fruit for these guys, and it's a great press conference, but at the end of the day, it's not really combating the real issue, which is we want them to to target predators who are targeting children, but that's a lot of work. So uh, clearly Sarasota Sheriff's Office is more interested in the press conference than the real police work. In most cases, police destroy the records that show how their undercover officers try to lure and entice people during these sex stings. But Pransky was able to get a transcript of the case where they went after a young man who worked at the sheriff's office. Yeah, going through this chat log was, was holy crap. Um, you know, we made the decision not to publish it word for word because we don't want to victimize this kid who did absolutely nothing wrong. And putting the entire chat log out there would ultimately kind of expose who he is. Um, he was lucky to not have to wear that scarlet letter for the rest of his life of a sex predator. Again, it's just a kid who goes on an adult website looking for adults, and he was you know, inches away from being one of the guys whose mugshot is held up by the sheriff. And that's the kind of thing that I couldn't believe. This was two years ago. Nothing happened. The sheriff kept doing these things. The state attorney continues to allow it. And the attitude is, even if the charges get dropped, we did our job. 
But no, that's not police work. That's taking advantage of people, and that's not going after the real criminals. The Sarasota County Sheriff's Office would not answer any of Pransky's questions about their stings. They simply reissued a statement saying the men they've arrested had ample opportunity to reconsider and disengage before arriving at their decoy house. But Pransky says the deputies did not disengage when it was clear the young man in this case was not a predator. Uh, Absolutely. And the Sarasota Herald Tribune, you know, finally started covering kind of the angle that I'm covering here. And they talked to a bunch of defense attorneys, and every one of them says it's entrapment. But entrapment is a really, really difficult defense in court. The bar is so high. So the cops basically have the attitude of nobody can stop us. What's the worst that happens is they drop the charges. But, you know, Sheriff Knight isn't running for re-election either. Um, someone needs all these people accountable. Hopefully the exposure from these stories is enough to get them to start going after real predators and not trying to convert the law-abiding men into just victims of their scheme. One of the suspects arrested last month during the sexting was a 62-year-old man who committed suicide after his arrest. His family blames the sheriff's department for his death. On the agenda today, it's day two of the Education Roadshow. State officials are in the midst of a listening tour as they try to come up with new academic standards for public schools to replace what used to be called Common Core. Today's hearing starts at 5.30 this afternoon in Winter Springs High School. Democratic State Senator Jason Pizzo of North Miami Beach taking part in a legislative forum that's at Barry University beginning at 6 in Miami Shores. The Broward County Legislative Delegation is holding a public hearing prepping for the 2020 session. It starts at 9.30 a.m. at the Miramar City Commission Chambers. Republican Representative Chuck Clements kicks off his official re-election campaign in House District 21. That's at 6 p.m. at Clark Plantation Wedding and Events in Newberry. And time once again for the never-ending adventure that goes by the name of Florida Man and sometimes Florida Woman. A Florida woman is accused of making two dozen pipe bombs. 27-year-old Michelle Colts has been arrested by Hillsborough County deputies on 24 counts of making a destructive device with the intent to harm people. Colts' parents called 911 after finding the bombs in her room. Deputies also discovered 23 knives, two hatchets, nunchucks, and dozens of books and DVDs about murder, mass killings, bomb-making, and domestic terrorism. Finally, a 36-year-old Florida man is accused of breaking into a woman's home and holding her hostage while he masturbated and tried on some of her baby's clothing. The Escambia County Sheriff's Office arrested Christopher Strickland on charges of aggravated assault, sexual offense, battery larceny, and home invasion. The woman told deputies Strickland was wearing women's clothing when he broke in. That's it for this installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we tiptoe through the tulips of Florida politics.